0: Good morning. I'd like to take a minute to thank the presidents, vice presidents, deans, student body, trustees, those who found their way, however that way was found, to provide me with this tremendously unique opportunity. I'm just really, truly honored. I'd like to give a shout-out, obviously, to my family, Uh, my wife, Lisa, who's also an alumnus, and friends who, um, some are here, not, I'm usually a very shy guy about talking about myself, but who came to hear this speech today because they knew of my time when I was in the place that you were in. And that is very honoring. So a big shout out there. And some more may come about those two things later on. I'm going to give you a little quiz, and that would be who are the three people on stage who are actually related to each other. And if you know, just kind of keep it to yourself, okay? But that's a quiz. There are three people on this stage related to each other, and we'll see how that happens. Once I started to speak, we have become a continuation of each other's narrative, even if it's just for a few minutes. Thank you for letting me into yours and welcome to a part of mine where I hope and wish there will be context that you will find a value at some point in your life. One question that I've been asked by people who have graduated and I've asked them, do you remember your graduation or commencement speaker? And it comes with mixed reviews. Uh, you know, graduates, you're kind of preoccupied with the thoughts of, I'm almost there, it's almost time, so let's get on with it. So my 15 or 20 minutes allotted will move forward. I've visited campus a number of times, obviously with my grandchildren and my son and his wife here, but I made it a point this year to come and visit three times. In my 40-year career as an educator, evaluation was a big part of the process. And three times a year I felt was a good time to see me as I'm kind of beginning, as the students are beginning, and then come see me in the middle as things are getting better, and then come see me at the end when we have accomplished the goals that we wanted to accomplish. I did that and wanted to have that done as a teacher, I wanted to do that as a vice principal, as a principal, and as a supervisor of principals. Be in the space and see the different times the different situations. Using that strategy, it's allowed me to be asked a lot of questions about, how were things when you were here? And so I merged those questions that are usually asked of me every time I come and someone knows I'm a graduate, to come up with that title of that was then, this is now, the narrative continues, and God knows the ending. How many of you here were for homecoming? Hands, hands, audience participation. People who are here for homecoming. Okay, there you go. Don't be shy. Seniors, you know you had a breakfast yesterday and you're kind of sleepy, so I think you, you're on it for today. So I was here for homecoming. There were a lot of events. We had big carnival action here, Uh, the football team was doing their thing, and there was a lot going on. I was lucky to be at many of those events, and one was a reflection about the play that we had for homecoming, which was called Oklahoma. Now I will say, I have thought for a long time that the play really could have been called Oh My Kansas. (laughs) If you're from Kansas, you'd probably like that. But I use the rule, coming from New Jersey, of really struggling with the river. Is it Arkansas or is it Arkansas? And see, there you go. So it all depends on where you are and how you want to pronounce it. So I sat there and I'm like, yeah, oh, my Kansas, where the winds go. Okay, so it was working for me. So with that context, I also was listening to some of the songs, and I was kind of thinking, You know, how am I gonna get into this introduction? Um, I realized that uh, there was a nice song, and if the day happened, and I heard everybody talking about it this morning, I said, there was one song in there that I think could be the sunrise service song of the decades, and some of you were there. And so just take a second to kind of join me in this one, if you know it, just just the chorus, Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a wonderful feeling. Everything's going my way. Yes, it is, isn't it? Beautiful. Couldn't ask for better. And that's the way I felt when I was sitting where you are 40 years ago. The location was a bit different. We were on the football field, and I had an introduction for that if we were there. I was going to say, you know, this is a beautiful location, and this is where my wife got her first kiss, up by the press box. (laughs) And that first kiss on a nice, starry night, she says, why'd you do that? And my answer was, I don't know. And if I had had my impromptu speech class in, or the extemp, I probably would have said, in 48 years from now, we will be married, or 40 years from now, and I will bore you a child, and his name will be Christian, and all good things will come of it. But didn't use that one. When I found out we were here, there was another introduction I could have used, and that would have been the shortest date ever on campus. And in Macquarie, at that time, folks, I don't know if you still do, ladies had to be in at 10, guys didn't have a curfew, uh uh-oh. And she will say, you know, you were really just checking me out, sizing me up. Says, you came at 10 minutes to closing. So if you didn't have, like me, you didn't have to stay. I'm like, oh no, that wasn't it at all. So a little action over there too. So nice for that setting. That was then, this is now. The other thing I liked about being able to uh, be at the homecoming and going to the play, I went to the matinee and the matinee has always intrigued me. And it's intrigued me because uh, you have to come back the next day and it's usually, you know, earlier. And you're usually kind of at the end of it. And when I became a high school and middle school principal, we had matinees. I don't think we had them when I was here. And I always looked at, like, man, that is really, really tough. That's really difficult to be able to come back, put on your show, put on your game. I know our football team had that issue. I think they were playing Friends. Thunderstorms delayed it, canceled it, pack up, go home, come back another day and play. That's rough stuff. I got to see them at homecoming, ping-pong back and forth in a game, score, 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 and they had to kind of keep coming back. And that's one of the things that I had to learn about life is that, you know what? You have to keep coming back. It could be very difficult. It could be very challenging. But you do have to keep coming back. Another opportunity during that homecoming week was the scholarship banquet. Got to sit with a couple of uh, students, learned from one that they were graduating early, business major, duly informed her, I started out as a business major, and that due to the fact that I grew up eight miles from the New York Stock Exchange, it didn't transition. And so I switched the speech. That worked pretty well for me. But she was going early, and that was a good thing. And I let people know, you know, I, I kind of graduated early. I was an October 29th birthday. And for some of those in that late birthday, I got here very, very early in life. And Christian talked about my size and how you go from a choo-choo to freight train. Can you really imagine the difference if I had gone that next year later? But that wasn't God's plan, and that wasn't to be. To be here and to be now. The other thing that I learned at that banquet was for about the athletic program and that was from the athletic trainer. He shared that he wouldn't want to work anywhere else, that he's with every coach, he's with all the athletes, and he said, you know, we don't hear cussing, we don't hear screaming, we don't hear degrading, He says, and if that were the case, I wouldn't be here. And I listened and I go, you know what? I don't think I remembered cussing. I don't think I remembered degrading. I said, I did remember a little bit of pulling on the face mask and getting into your eye a little bit. And for some of the linemen, they got a little bop up against the head from Coach Bennett. But otherwise, it was done in a tremendously respectful way of coaching. And that's what I tried to take with me as an educational leader. Didn't need to scream at people. Didn't need to yell at them. Didn't need to degrade them. You needed to work with them. And that was a very important message that just resonated with me that day. The other one that resonated, Jennifer spoke about her transition, you know, her family history here, and that, you know, she made a change from the big university and coming back to Sterling. And that resonated because, you know, you can get there from here, wherever there is. And it reminded me of Robert Frost in the poem, The Road Not Taken. And there's gonna be a lot of times you're probably gonna stop and think if you took that right road. But hearing her confidence, and the love she has for Sterling and what it meant to her was very, very important. I've spent time doing a little bit of a walking, physically, health-wise. You do that when you retire. Uh, going from a school to a central office position, gaining a couple of pounds. And I was out here walking the track this spring, and I was enjoying the walk in the track and I began hearing music and it began to remind me of our days of being here as students and music except this day the music was coming from the bleachers and I go well that's a little different and it wasn't coming from the top of Campbell where whoever owned the top of Campbell floor which is usually seniors which isn't opened anymore for that purpose would put their speakers up there. And I was listening to the music, and it was bopping, and I didn't know hardly any songs at all. I'd been, you know, supervising many a dance in my day, but I hadn't done that in seven years. And I was feeling a little out of place. I said, you know, it feels good, things look the same. And then all of a sudden, Bruno Mars comes on. And I'm like, thank goodness for the Super Bowl. Because if Bruno hadn't been in the Super Bowl, I'd have been 0 for 7. And I'm listening, and then I all of a sudden see people kind of walking that way, and I'm like, okay, so uh, I wonder what's going on. It's a nice day. It's the week of February 12th. You might remember that. And there were a few things going on. And I was walking, and it was almost like a thriller moment. Students were coming. Dun, 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 and they were headed to Spencer. And I remembered, I said, Oh, there's a guest this morning, a guest lecturer. And I said, You know, I think I need to go check that out. So by the time I got there, it was full, the auditorium was full. But the guest speaker was talking about race. And I said to myself, well, that is different. We didn't talk too deeply about race when I was here. And I sat on the floor in the back, and it was a full auditorium that day. And in a lecture series, I mean, you know, you could have questions, but you, you mostly listen. And I listened to what she had to say. And I think I might have teared up a little bit just because... It was a conversation we didn't have in mass. It was a conversation we had in small groups. We had students from the South. The Civil Rights Movement was just ending. Kids from Florida, North Carolina, Alabama, Native American, Texas. You had Jersey, California. We had students from all over. But we didn't have that large conversation. You know, chapel dealt with the foundations of life's lessons at the time, and we also were dealing with, like you, God's Word and trying to transition that into our daily lives. Because just like it was said earlier, some of us come from a lot of different places. Chapel was a little different. We had seating arrangement. You don't have seating arrangement anymore. Walking now, I think there's a little clicker. Back in the day, they were redoing Spencer Hall. We had to be in the top of Wilson, and we had really hard chairs, and the staff would look down and they would check us off. That was our chapel. And I was lucky enough my sophomore year that my last name was D. And all of a sudden, there is a lady in front of me, girl, I guess. Her last name started with C. So Lisa Christian sat in front of Larry Dashiel. And that is when the short meeting developed and occurred. So, for some of you who think Christian, your pastor, was named because of his faith, no way. He was named simply because it was a negotiated decision. I'm not sure I want your last name. And I'm like, what? How are we gonna work this out? Dashiel, that's sweet. I said, okay, this is what we'll do. We'll name our firstborn Christian which is your maid, your last name. I said, that way the name will stay in the family no matter what. Assuming once we found out it was a boy, of course. And if it was a girl, it was going to be Harmony, Christian Harmony. And so that's how, you know, you saw, you know people, we had a guy next door to us who used to be named Dr. Hart, and he was, you know, a heart doctor. But Christian's last name really came from his mother's maiden name and his grandparents. And so... We had no inkling of saying we were gonna bore him to be a preacher, that he would come to Sterling College. It, It wasn't in the plans, it wasn't in the works. And so our chapel arrangement was a plus for us and obviously a plus for you, the way it's worked out. Change comes slow. I came to Sterling because it provided me an opportunity. My mom had gone to eighth grade, born in 1918, Wrightsville, Georgia, worked in the cotton fields. I was number four boy out of six. Oh, number five boy out of six that lived. The First one born in a hospital. And so life was a little different for me. And when I came here, she and I kind of made an agreement. Mom was kind of, she was like, you know what? You don't have to go to college. She says, you could go to the military, you can go to college. She says, but there's one thing that's going to happen. You can't stay here and not do something. You know, you've got to do something. And I'm like, no, it's going to have to be better. And so at that time in my life, our life was like The Help, the movie. Mom was a domestic. She couldn't work any longer because of her asthma and cancer colon. And she worked for a doctor, Caucasian, and a lawyer. And after a while, their relationship became more supportive of each other. It was more counseling for each other than really work. Whenever the kids got sick and we went back east, no problem. Dr. Belcop, bring them right in. No problem. It was all good. But that was very difficult before then. Christian used in one of his sermons for you all about the need to find worship for help and support. And I listened to that sermon, and I kinda went back and thought, I remember those days. You see, interracial marriage at that time, 70s, wasn't uh, very highly looked upon, nor was the dating. The college kept to its word, but there were also those of a different generation, a different time, and maybe some of the same generation, that said, you guys are wrong. And one of the most difficult and challenging times for Lisa and I were actually being here, and not a staff member from the college, but the past and opened the Bible and tried to share some verses on that. At that time, we could have packed it in on Christianity. We were angry. We were hurt. We didn't know that... Uh, it would come at us that way, here and home, different members of the family. And the college then became our family in a lot of ways. It was talked about incremental change, maybe a person at a time. When I first came on campus, didn't know a soul down at the Little Sterling Motel. A guy named Jimmy Kettner and his family got here early. It's August, it's hot as all get out. And his family just took me in and they just said, you know, you come with us. That was incremental change. That little change there probably helped me get through some of those other times. And I do have to give a shout out. Jim lives in Fremont, Ohio. Heard about this speech, hopped a plane. Today's his birthday, tomorrow's Mother's Day, but he's here to support. We got other support. You have the adoptive family program now. We didn't quite have that in place. I got to meet Astrid and Stephanie at dinner. I've met other adoptive students over the years that the kids have had at their house. And for me, the adoptive family became this community as a whole in a lot of different ways. The little church that's on the south end of town, Grant Chapel AME Church, used to stand for, well, it still stands for African-American Episcopal, but it's not that church anymore. Those who were here, live in town, they know. And that's where all the people of color kind of live, over on that side of town. And that's the church many of them attended, not all. And I got up one day and I said, you know, I got to go to church. And I went down and it wasn't open. They met once a month in the afternoon. And I said, you know what? Something has to change about that. Because I was looking for that place. You know, I grew up on gospel music, predominantly African-American church, AME in the mornings, Baptist in the afternoon, and as much as people tried, it wasn't quite the same. And so a number of us here at the college students, we began to make that our place of worship and be there every Sunday morning and preach and share and sing and cry. Repainted it with the help of the college who gave us money to do that. And it went on for a number of years with students from the college going down there. We found our place to worship where we felt we didn't have to worry about what color we looked. It was a great time to be able to do that. There was other growth. The kid from the inner city grew into a young man who spent time in places like Miniola, Kingsdown, Pretty Prairie, Tonganoxie. In homes at Sterling, people opened their doors and opened their love and shared Christ. The thing I always try to do in describing Kansas, I said, it's in the middle of the country. Sterling is in the middle of the state. And I said, and there is something very, very important about that. God brings us all in from all over to hear his word even though there was that challenging time, to hear his word. And then he sends a large majority of us back out. I took kids home with me to New Jersey, very big experience for them, but it was a good experience. Some of you have been able to do that. Some of you, some of your friends are graduates, some of them will graduate next year, but they stay around. I had a friend come by on Tuesday because he couldn't be here today from Iowa, just to go back down memory's lanes. I had Brian, your mailman. One of you, uh, many of you actually spoke of him being the, one of the special people in your life on staff. Brian became one of the special people in my life when he said, you know, Larry, he said, I just need to tell you this. Even though you were big man on campus, even though you were an athlete, Even though you did a lot of things, you always treated me with dignity and respect. He didn't have to do that 40 years later, but he did. And so at your senior breakfast, when it's told, tell someone thank you, that's how it resonates. That's how important it is. His wife went on to tell me, you know, I voted for you and made sure you got on the ballot to be big man on campus. I said, yeah, thanks. I said, but you also got to remember I was also biggest turkey on campus at Thanksgiving balance that out. I know you have directions set for you. There are going to be many adjustments and changes. When sitting where you are I was just happy to get through and have a job. I was not sure I can explain it but what I would say is I had no idea two months later from someone from Sterling College would call me and say I signed you up for a master's program at Wichita State. And I'm like really? I'm, I'm tired. But I did it. And that helped me accumulate the situation to where I am now. I didn't use that master's in administration for, believe it or not, for 19 years. I enjoyed teaching. I enjoyed growing people. I just enjoyed being the speech coach, the activities director, the integration specialist, and working with those students all those years. But having the job that I did have transitioned into as an administrator, where I would supervise up to 21 schools. In that would be over 12,000 students, 300-plus staff, and over 30,000 parents and grandparents and guardian who could have my phone number and email on speed dial. Having the good of what I've done and be able to do and some of the challenges allowed me to do that job well. We did a lot of work on equity. And I was meeting with my staff, the principals, and it was at Dunaway Elementary School in Portland, Oregon, in the library. And I had to tell them four years ago that I was coming to Sterling, I was gonna miss some work. I didn't use miss work, but I was gonna miss some work. And I said, I'm invited to homecoming and they're gonna have past staff there. I said, and that's gonna be a big one, that's, that's gonna be nice. I said, I gotta go. I said, and then, and then I choked up and me, the boss, as the kids would call me, I like to call myself the principal's principal, sat there and I said, I went to a Christian college. I said, and there were some struggles. I said, we've been studying equity and there's only two of us in this room of 19, 18, 19, 20 people. I said, and I had a couple issues, and I explained the story of my wife and how that went down. And remember, I'm in a public school setting here, so I was rolling the dice big time, and I had people from a lot of different faiths and no faith, and I started crying. And it's the first time without maybe the death of a student or a staff member, I cried when I was really hoping to be strong. And I said, I gotta go back because my son, my son is a chaplain. I said, and I know that no student will ever go through the same kind of things we went through. I said, if they go to the chaplain, he's going to have a different story for them. I said, he can't help but have to. I said, you don't understand how this has gone full circle. I said, that's God's work. Full circle in his time. The person who got to speak, pray for you, preach to you may not have ever been here if we would have cashed it in and said you know what we we're done with this we don't want to do this we'll go our separate ways i'll go back to jersey you go back to vancouver washington and we're done but you see god had a different plan god knew the narrative and in time family members Very religious and devout family members came around. Best things in sliced bread now, baby. Everybody loving it. It's all good. But that's how God works. And that's how he changes things. You are growing up in a time where there is talk about getting America back to being a great nation. I grew up in a time where the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King said, and if America is to be a great nation, let freedom ring. And he talked about the mountain peaks and people coming from all over and going back to those places. He says, and when this happens, when we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, every state and every city, we will be able to speed up the day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we're free at last. When I look in your literature now, it's inclusive. When I hear the parents come up and shake the hands of the staff, it's inclusive. Yet there is still some work to be done on the first definition of making America great as we try to interpret the new definition of making America great. And I don't think one happens without the other. There are steps that you have followed, walked in during your time here, and there are new paths that you have created, that are the future that you have to give. Sometimes it may not be easy, but you have the foundations to do great things. May the soft hands of God guide you along your path. And if you fall, ease you up and continue to guide you on your way. He knows the narrative, no matter what. If you struggle a little bit, 23rd Psalm, just look at it. It's a challenge. It will be. But in the end, it will be great. I sat the other night with three other friends, one was from Michigan, one was from Ohio, I was from New Jersey, and one was from Kansas. we sat, and we had dinner, and we sat under a photo of the Last Supper. I'm like, okay, I don't really have to ask if the road's not taken, if I took the right road or not. I took it, it had some bumps, but it was good. God knows your narrative, Thank you for allowing me to share mine with yours. And now, you being a part of mine. May God bless you.